Welcome to 321 iRelaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, CEO and co founder of iRelaunch, and your host. Today, we welcome Allison Cormack. Allison has relaunched twice once at Google, where she worked for almost five years, and then in politics. She currently serves on the Palo Alto City Council and chairs its finance committee. Her first job after college was on Capitol Hill as a junior analyst with the United States Senate Budget Committee. After business school, she worked at Hewlett Packard for seven years in finance, sales, and operations. While on a 10-year career break as a volunteer, she was behind the approval of a $76 million bond measure to rebuild Palo Alto libraries and was the president of the Palo Alto Library Foundation, which raised $4 million in private funding. At Google, Allison worked first in communications roles and then as the head of the online support content team. She took a second career break of three years before running for office. Allison graduated from Stanford University, where she also got her MBA. She and her husband have two adult children and one dog and live in Palo Alto. Allison, welcome to 321i Relaunch. Carol, it's great to be here. It's so nice to reconnect with you. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Yes, me too. And I should tell our audience that uh, Allison was a speaker on a panel at an event that we had at Stanford GSB, the business school, a few years ago, we were trying to remember exactly what year where we had uh, had alumni from Stanford, and I think it was also um, from Kellogg, talk about their experiences returning to work after a career break. And at that point, Allison was talking about her Google experience. So there's a lot to cover today. And I want to know, Allison, if we can start with your work history leading up to your first career break, and then what precipitated that career break? Sure. Um, When I was in college, I didn't know what I wanted to do or where I wanted to be. And a friend of the family suggested that I move to Washington, D.C. and get a job. And so that's what I ended up doing. Well, first I moved to Washington, D.C. and lived with uh, my aunt and uncle. And I think the getting the job story is probably relevant for people. And and I often use it when I'm coaching um, younger people or people who are interested in in making a career change or getting a job in government. Um, I ran out of, first I should say, and it's hard for probably people who are younger who are listening, this was before the age of the internet, cell phones, email, LinkedIn. So it, 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 it's probably hard to imagine, but you had paper resumes and you had phones that had cords, right? That those were your. Yeah, I remember those it were well. your. Yeah, and you had and you had and you had an actual like what did they call those planners where you wrote down your calendars and things? Yeah. Yes. So mm-hmm. I ran out of people um, to to find jobs from, and I you know looked on um, in the newspaper, and finally my father said, you know, I really want you to talk to my, and at the time we used the word secretary, so I'll use that word instead of admin. I really think you should Mm -hmm. talk to my secretary's brother's girlfriend. And I was like, that doesn't Mm -hmm. seem like it's going to go very far. But I did eventually, and that led to my first job on, my job on Capitol Hill, which I loved. It was really a translation job between numbers and words, people and policies. And it was, it was an excellent introduction to the federal government and frankly, how to, how to communicate uh, numbers. So um, at the end of that time, I, I decided what did I want to do next? And I wanted to go to graduate school. 
I chose business school because I thought it would give me the most options and ended up coming back to the West Coast for business school, thinking that I was going to go into nonprofits. Our nonprofit professors encouraged all of us who were interested in that to actually go to uh, for-profit businesses first, learn skills Mm -hmm. there, and then bring those back to the nonprofit sector. Well, that sounded like a good idea to me. And also I had some student loans. So I ended up at Hewlett Packard because it had set for a number of reasons. We'd done a case study um, on their on their finances, and it seemed like they had a really good understanding of it. Um, I thought I'd learn a lot there. We also um, had the ability to bid on things, and I didn't bid enough on marketing, so I ended up with a finance interview. So, and then also uh, it was important to me they had such a had and have such a strong philanthropy um, focus in 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 the Bay Area. And the other communities they're in. Um, so I get to get to Hewlett Packard. I'm in finance, and I figure out why HP is really good at this. <laughs> Numbers is because their their systems don't talk to each other, and so they would hire people to do all the analysis. But I learned a lot, and and one of the key things that I was doing was forecasting our two product lines, one X and five X. Now I'm not an engineer. I didn't even know what these products looked like. So I said, you know, I'm going to go take these sales classes so I can learn a little bit more about these forecasts that I'm doing. Well, it turns out, and I didn't do that to, to advance my career. I did that to do my job better. Um, at the end of the two years mm-hmm. in finance, they came to me and said, hey, do you want to be a sales rep? I was like, what? <laughs> that wasn't, that's not a usual path for someone who has an MBA. I'd never thought of it. But it turned out to be one of the best things I've ever done because the training was Mm -hmm. spectacular. And I have never, ever, ever since then gone to an interaction, and this one is included in that, where I haven't taken a moment beforehand to think about what does the other person want from this? You know, how how Mm. is this going to go? So that was fantastic. Uh, Had my first child, came back to work part-time, four days a week, um, and that that worked out great. I was in a different role by then. And then we had, um, you know, a family medical emergency, and it was while I was pregnant with my second child. And so that ended up being um, the source of my first career break. So as I've been taught, it is resolved and it had a happy ending. You know, it's important to say that. Um, but Mm -hmm. that was what precipitated my first career break. And I had no idea how long it would be. I just knew that I needed, I needed to, to, to spend my time at home. Right. Yeah. You know, we've had this conversation, um, with a number of our podcast guests and much more broadly with our relauncher community and, Sometimes people say, you know, I only thought I was going to be out a year or two. And the next thing you know, like 10 years have gone by. But you're saying you went in thinking you didn't really know how long it was going to be. I, didn't. And- I mean, I certainly if you told me 10 years, I would have been shocked. Um, and I, mm-hmm. I never expected, never expected to, to leave the workforce. But, you know, um, mm-hmm. there were a lot of people I was responsible for and some of them weren't very big. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. so that was a big it was a big shock, though, I'll say. Yeah. So can you um, tell us a little more about how things evolved while you were on career break and you ended up with some incredible accomplishments that in the private sector, you probably would have been paid a lot of money to do. But can you walk us through how you got involved in raising a $76 million bond offering to um, improve the libraries in your city and also you were head of the Palo Alto Library Foundation and, and raised 
a few million dollars more there. Um, did that happen after a few years? Was it just natural? Like, how did that all happen? It was very natural. I was on the uh, playground of my kids' elementary school. My younger one was in kindergarten. And a friend said, hey, do you want to be on the Palo Alto Library Foundation board with me? And I said, yes, because our libraries, and I won't repeat what I said, um, just weren't mm -hmm. in, in great shape, especially the one in, in our neighborhood. And so that was the beginning of me thinking, oh, I'm going to be on this board. That's great. I have a little bit more time. Um, and the more I learned, the more we had a problem. And it turned out um, at a meeting with a, a, the library director, she said, well, you know, someone's going to have to step forward to lead this bond. And I looked around the room and there, there weren't that many people there. And I'm like, well, I'll do it. <laughs> um, you know, I... I, the timing was right in terms of I, you know, the kids being in school, I haven't been in sales. So that turned out to make it easy to easier to do all the communication work, um, and the fundraising that was required for the bond. And, you know, there was a cohort of um, people who work together. And I, 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 to this day, I think that is the best job I ever had. And possibly mm. will be the best job I ever had, even though I got paid zero dollars for it, um, which was running the bond. Um, we mm. had, uh, you know, we just, it was a great experience, had a great team of people, not everyone agreed, uh, learned a ton about the city. And that, 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 of course, comes into the story later, but went to many board and commission meetings and city council meetings and got a much better understanding of how our city runs. And frankly, up until then, I'd just been sort of, you know, getting through my day focused on my own family. And so that was the really the way that it opened up. And I really like a challenge. Uh, when I met with the mayor and I brought forward the thousand signatures on the petition, which was the first step, uh, the mayor said, and my kids were like, you, you can't see because this is radio, but they were they were not very <laughs> tall. They were they were in elementary school. And she looked at me and said, your kids are going to be in college before we get this library thing sorted out. Mm. So at the Tall Tree Award dinner a few years later, after the bond had passed and I was receiving this lovely honor from the community, uh, she was there. I looked at her and I said, I just want you to know, <laughs> one's in middle <laughs> school and one's in high school. So we got those libraries before they went to college. So it was a challenge. I loved working with the team and I was able to bring together my finance skills and the sort of sales communication skills. Um, for a reason that 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 was really personally meaningful to me, and then that that's great. Yeah, that was the bond, and then the the fundraising really was was part of it. It was run, of course, we ran that through the foundation, not through the the campaign committee. But I really got disciplined about the idea that fundraising isn't isn't a chore; it's a gift, right? You are making a, mm -hmm. you literally are giving an opportunity to the person you're asking to support. Um, because they may not know about your organization and they're busy and they're going to trust you. So I, I learned a lot and I've used it, you know, ever since in, in don't think of fundraising as a chore. Think of it as a gift. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's it. That's, that's right there. So very instructional for our uh, relauncher audience in so many ways. Uh, and I also just have to comment on, how significant, very significant things can happen that start with a 
a conversation on the playground. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Actually, I'll just put in a plug for the book that was really helpful and that I continue to recommend to people. Mm-hmm. It's by Gerald Panis, J-E-R-O-L-D Panis, P-A-N-A-S. And I think it's called Asking, something like that. Um, it's a very short book. You can read it in under an hour. Um, and so anyone who, mm-hmm. who needs to raise some money, I encourage you to go read that before you get started. It was it was very instructional for me. Wow. That's great. Maybe we'll include that in the podcast notes too, um, a, a link to that. But, you know, whether you're doing that role of fundraising and development as a volunteer or whether you're doing it in a professional role when you relaunch, it sounds very relevant. So thank you. So at what point after these incredible accomplishments did you decide it was time to go back to work? And then how did you end up getting the job at Google? If I, I really want, I want to know if you give us a play-by-play to the extent that you can, um, but I, just so interested in, in what that uh, timeline looked like and how you did it. Absolutely. Well, I'll start with the personal part and then we'll shift to like how I how I eventually got a job at Google, which is a little a little foreshadowing hint. So so my kids were now in middle school. The library bond had passed. We'd raised most of the money and people were saying, hey, you know, you're really involved with this city. Maybe you'd like to run for city council. I'm like, oh, well, that's a good idea. It looks really like interesting. I have this background in federal government. I now understand more about how our boards and commissions work and what the council's work looks like from the outside. Um, but also at that point, my my husband w- decided to leave the private sector and go to the public sector. Um, mm-hmm. So we had both been in the public sector when we met. Um, and I decided it was a time for me to go back to the private sector. That's <laughs> what would made the most sense for our family. Um, mm-hmm. you know, financially. And um, so kids were getting ready to go to college at some point. And so rather than um, remain on the public sector and the nonprofit space, um, since he was switching to that, I decided it was a good time for me to go back to work. And honestly, I did a wonderful um, program that was offered at the business school at the time by a woman who's from the uh, Darden School at UVA. Oh, yeah. And there was a lot of there were a lot of um, interesting preparation and, you know, um, tasks that we did. And I really enjoyed it. And there were three kinds of women in that group. There were women who had just had their second child who were like, oh my gosh, I did not sign up for this. I want to go back to work. There were mm-hmm. women like me who've done a lot of work in the community, stuff that used skills that they could get paid for. Kids were in middle school. They're like, okay, now is the time. And then there were women whose youngest had just gone to college and I was like, oh, that might, I don't think I want to wait that long. So, so that, that particular process really helped me say, yes, this is the time for me to go back to work. And the other thing is all of the, you know, the tests and scans and, you know, the little activities that they had us do. I sort of landed on communications and realized that that was the way to describe what I'd learned in sales and the work that I'd done mm-hmm. as a volunteer and that there was a market for that. Um, and I, I can remember where I was sitting. It was in a portable that's no longer there on the Stanford campus and the table. And I was like, oh, I think that's it. Mm-hmm. So then I, I focused on Google. I had a few friends who, who lived there. Oh, worked. Sorry. It feels like that sometimes. But worked there. <laughs> lived and worked there. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, and I, and it, and I, I really was focused on, you know, what's, what's going to be, um, it was sort of like the next in the way that I'd worked at Hewlett Packard, which was the, 
you know, the premier company then. Google was certainly was and is one of the premier companies in the area. And uh, I did not succeed. Um, mm. I had a friend write me a recommendation. I applied for something in communications. We'll call it a level, I think, four or five. I didn't understand the levels. The computer spit me right back out. It didn't know what to do with me. And mm-hmm. I, I think I applied for a few other things. Um, and it's very hard from outside, right? All of the job descriptions sound the same, and it's just hard to figure things out. So I'm walking along the street with my dog, and I run into a neighbor who works at Google who had been with me on the Palto Library Foundation. He's mm. like, how's it going? I'm like, I, I, I can't get in. And he goes, oh, well, you know, let me ask the person who's in my office. She works in a different area. She called me that night. We spoke for 15 minutes. The next morning, I had, um, a, you know, a sort of phone interview with someone um, in the communications area, ended up getting that job. The job was the exact job I'd applied for, except at a higher level. Oh, my God. And, and I'm shortening it a bit. Um, but, yeah. but the key is, you know, again, many young people these days think like, well, I just apply on LinkedIn or indeed I sent in my resume. I'm like, listen, I never got a job by sending in my resume. You, mm-hmm. you know, that's only the beginning of the process. Um, so that's how I, I, I ended up getting my job. And frankly, the people who hired me took a risk. You know, someone who'd been out of the workforce for 10 years. That's a lot. But um, they were people who knew, you know, knew and appreciated my, my um, experience at Stanford and, um, you know, could see how um, the work that I'd done as a volunteer would translate into, into um, success there. Yeah. You know, that's just so many things that you're saying. First of all, that milestone moment when all of a sudden you had the language to describe what you were interested in doing, that, that's, a, that's a really big moment. Um, and sometimes it takes a long time to figure that out. And then other times, like, there it was in front of you. So I thought that was really interesting. And uh, also perseverance. So rejection, rejection. Um, and then you went into your neighbor. But the thing or someone in your neighborhood, but the reason that he could vouch for you is that you were volunteers together on that board. So your volunteer experience was actually relevant, not only for what you accomplished, but also that there were other people there who saw your capabilities in that context. Absolutely. So so two things to add. One is an, another book recommendation. Um, I guess this mm-hmm. makes sense from someone who worked on libraries. Um, made to Stick by Chip and Dan Heath. So so that was really transformative for me when I read that and I use sort of versions of of those principles um, when I'm communicating important things. We did it with the library. I certainly ended up doing it with my campaign. Um, I'm working on it now with the city as we try to explain our climate action and the changes people need to make. So so I would recommend that. And then there was one other thing I was going to say about perseverance and getting the job. It'll come back to me. Okay. Um, so in the meantime, um, so you got this great job at Google. I love that it was at a higher level than the one you were rejected for originally. That That's, that's awesome. Um, and so you were there for a few years. And then can you talk to us a little bit about the evolution that led to your second career break? Sure. 
So I had, uh, I worked in three, well, four different organizations at Google. Most of my time was in the third organization. Um, and it was a combination of communications and, and strategic work. And, um, uh, you know, loved it. What, what an incredible opportunity. Um, so many hardworking, smart, nice people, really. And to have so many resources after having been, you know, working in the nonprofits, um, it was lovely. And um, I, I think I'm probably the person who appreciated the lunches more than anybody ever because I've made my own lunch <laughs> and my kids' lunch for 10 years. So I was yeah. like, this is awesome. <laughs> Um, so it was it was extraordinary. I did a lot of international travel with the job um, and was positioning myself to move, actually did move from a staff role to a line role because, you know, Google, like any other organization, is always looking for and needing more women in um, leadership positions. Mm-hmm. And in order to move to the next level that I was at at the time, it was important for me to have a line role. So I moved from a staff role to a line role. I had about 40 people and I was you know, hoping at some point to be a director, which is a big deal at Google. And so that was intentionally done on my part. Um, and you know, I won't go like I did training classes. And, you know, I, I made it clear to my, my, my boss, what I was interested in doing. So it was, it was intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, during that same time, unfortunately, uh, one of my parents um, had lung cancer and it got progressively worse. Mm. And so um, I, I hit a stage where I just wasn't able to be present for my family and, and manage a a really demanding job, you know, with, you know, international responsibilities at Google. And uh, it was hard to leave. (laughs) It was really hard to leave, not going to lie. There were some tears over that. And they didn't want me to. And they said, you know, you just take a break, you know, take six months. I'm like, I really need to go because by then both of my parents had cancer. Mm. And um, I... I just, I, that's what I felt I needed to do. And I have no regrets about it. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. sorry I didn't get to the opportunity to do more at Google. Um, and I would have liked to do that. But about, you know, a month after I, I quit, retired, left, whatever you want to call it, um, I was at the, uh, the uh, chemotherapy center um, with my mother. And I was back to joking with, you know, the staff and helping others. I'm like, this is what I needed to do. So, mm-hmm. so that was why I left. And, and people did ask me to run the next year um, for council. But at that point, you know, that, it, that didn't work because both of my parents were, were ill and I, I wanted to be there. Mm-hmm. And so, so that means like right when you left Google, people were already like run for run for city council, run yes. for city council. So and so you kind of had to put them off. And so was that did that then put the idea in your head? Oh, well, maybe this is is sort of what I should be doing when the timing is right. Or did yes. something else yes. happen? I mean, you know, I thought about it before, before I went back to Google. And then there was our elections are even years. So it was 2016. And people were like, you mm. should run. I'm like, no, because that's not no, I'm going to do this first. But I did work on a candidate's campaign to sort mm. of, um, and that was a way to sort of be participate in the process without running. Um, Mm -hmm. and then at the end of that year, um, you know, um, by then we had lost my mother, um, Mm. and, um, my youngest was headed off to college and then there was an election in November of 2016. And I woke Mm -hmm. up the next morning and said, okay, 
I'm going to run. Mm-hmm. And then I spent the next year actually preparing. Now, this is a luxury not everyone has, but but anytime you're thinking about making a change, I think if you can sort of practice and uh, work on it over time in anticipation, you're, you're much better prepared by the time you do. So I had mm-hmm. the ability to use that year to do in a program called Emerge that helps train women to run um, for office. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I visited all 36 of our parks <laughs> And 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 finally, it was finally went public on Facebook. It, it had always been a private setting. Um, I met with city council members, current and former. I went to um, city council meetings once a month, beginning to end, um, and they're long. And mm-hmm. uh, I went to one of each of the board and commission meetings to really sort of get a as full a picture as I could of what it would be like. Mm. That's what I did to to prepare. And was that all part of the Emerge program or something you were doing on your own? No, that was just my own, my own, yeah. So Allison, how did you learn about how to run a campaign? You said you worked on a campaign maybe the a year or so, sometime before. Is that how you knew or did you have to bring a campaign manager in? Like how did you manage the, I guess, the business side of, of your of your running for office? Well, the good news is I'd already run the library bond campaign in 2008. Mm. So I already had that whole, you know, it takes a year, you have to raise money, you have to file forms, um, you have to, you know, work with newspapers, both on the editorial side and the advertising side, you have to canvas, you have to have lawn signs. So, so I already had sort of the structure there. Um, and then the thing that I think that had changed between the 2008 campaign and 2018 campaign um, is the use of social media. Um, mm. That's probably mm-hmm. the one thing that had changed. Um, so um, so fortunately, I already had some of that to rely on. And some of the people who had worked with me before also worked on my campaign. Mm-hmm. So the structure wasn't wasn't that hard. It was quite different, though, to be a personal candidate than, you know, than to be talking about an issue. So that yeah. was a different and I, you know, I'm always in awe of campaigns. They're so entrepreneurial. I mean, you're creating something where nothing existed before to have this whole infrastructure around you to propel you forward and hopefully to victory. And uh, it's very entrepreneurial. Uh, so I, I think that's really interesting. So can you tell us a little bit about what it's like to be on the Palo Alto City Council and do run for election or how long the terms are, just a little bit about your current relaunch. Sure. Uh, The terms are four years and our meetings are Monday nights and they're six or seven hours. And sometimes we have meetings on Tuesdays also. There are seven members of council. One of the reasons our our particular city is interesting is we own and operate our own utilities. Mm. So that's like a $400 million business, enterprise Mm. business. Mm -hmm. And that's a whole different set of of work that most um, municipalities don't have. Even our libraries, which we've talked about a little bit, we own and operate our five libraries. Many communities have their libraries as part of the county system. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think I mentioned our 36 parks. Um, so we just have such a wonderful breadth of things here in Palo Alto that the, the work is quite expansive. Um, mm-hmm. But um, we have a, a council manager situation where basically Obviously, the staff does most of the work. We're part-time people. We're really there to set policy, and the staff does the operations. Um, And then, of course, we had COVID, which (laughs) changed Mm -hmm. everything, Um, not only how we do our work. Now it's on Zoom instead of being in person, 
although we hope that changes soon. Uh, but also, you know, Palo Alto has always been fortunate to have a high sales tax and high hotel tax and high property tax. Um, but the, the first two were pretty badly hit. Uh, so we had to make a lot of budget cuts, um, the most, I'm pretty sure, in Palto's history. So that, that's, been, that's been a tough experience. But I'm certainly glad to be serving during COVID with, you know, and the pandemic. It's been a difficult time for everyone, you know, personally and professionally. So I was glad to have the opportunity to, um, to help. Mm-hmm. Any recommendations for relaunchers who are thinking about relaunching by running for office? Sure. Um, the first actually, well, so two. One is consider a board or commission. So these are not elected positions. These are appointed within a, a city or a municipality or a, or a county. Uh, that's a really good way if you're interested in one particular thing. I think we have seven. Uh, so, for example, we have our Utilities Advisory Commission, people who really care about climate change and electrification of buildings and vehicles. That's a great place for them. Um, and then they can decide if they want that to be a launching pad to council. Um, so that's one. And then the second one, and this is very, you know, this is just kind of how I do my work. Just go, you know, mm-hmm. don't say you want, just go and sit at that council meeting from the beginning to the end and watch what happens and do it a couple of times and think, is this what I want to do? Is this something that I, that, that I would enjoy? Is this something that I would, it, I would be able to bring my skills and experiences to? Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah, I'm sort of, sort of a hands-on person that way. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's great advice. Um, and actually, that leads me to our final question, the one that we ask all of our podcast guests, and that is, what is your best piece of advice for our relauncher audience? More generally, not specifically about running, running for office, but more generally, um, even if it's something that we've already talked about today. So I think I will use a sanitized version of some advice that a VP at Google and communications always used to give. And it was pick up the blank phone and mm. you can fill in the blank with whatever you'd like to pick it up with. Mm-hmm. I think that matters and it matters even more now today uh, when so many things are electronic. Um, pick up the phone means if something's going poorly, <laughs> pick up the phone and call someone. Don't send an email. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you haven't heard back from a job interview that you're really excited about, pick up the phone and call them. Don't send an email. Um, you know, if if you want to take a moment to thank a donor, pick up the phone and call them. Um, if someone has, you know, I mean, I could go on and on. We have, mm-hmm. we have evenings sometimes with council where someone, a member of the public or perhaps a member of council or another staff will say something and it will be um, quite harsh. And mm. every now and then I'll pick up the phone the next day and call the person who that was directed to and just say, hey, I just want to let you know I heard that. And, you know, I don't think it was fair. And I think you're doing a great job. So mm. mm-hmm. that is my advice. Pick up the phone. That is great advice. And it, it as you're talking about in so many different situations, it it's applicable. So thank you for uh, wrapping up our conversation with that. Allison, thank you so much for joining us today. Carol, it's been an absolute pleasure. And um, maybe someday I'll come back for uh, my after my third relaunch. 
<laughs> well, I am very excited to see what happens uh, going forward, especially given everything that you've done in so many different contexts, um, private sector, public sector, volunteer, uh, through all these different phases of your life. So great, great to hear about all of it. And thanks for listening to 321i Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman-Cohen, the CEO and co-founder of iRelaunch and your host. For more information on iRelaunch conferences and events, to sign up for our job board and access our return to work tools and resources, go to iRelaunch.com. And if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it on Apple Podcasts and your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to share this podcast with a friend on Facebook, Instagram, and other social media. Thanks for joining us.